another week of More Than My Size. I'm your host, Nimare. And I'm Alicia, also known as APY Black. And I'm so excited to be back here, Alicia, for another week. Uh, this is going to be our fourth. Are we already at four? Yes, we are at episode four. I'm so proud of us. Yes, I'm excited for us. It's been fun. We've been doing some live messaging as well, which has been a blast. Um, because even though we're having the conversations, I still have more things to say after. Um, and so it's nice also hearing what other people have to say at the same time. Absolutely. Um, so this week, I want to, first of all, ask you how you're feeling. I'm alive. No, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great considering the circumstances. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, then you guys have been following my COVID chronicles. Yes, me. I tested positive for COVID. The person who does not go anywhere, right. doesn't want to do anything, doesn't have a life outside of the home. And yeah, um, me and my husband both tested positive for COVID. So um, it's been a, an interesting last week and a half or so, but um, I'm, I actually feel pretty decent, um, all things considered, yeah. How is Jared feeling? Because I didn't realize he had it too. Jared had less symptoms than okay well that's good i present it first he followed like right behind me like maybe a day or two after um but he was not nearly as sick as i was in terms of like the cough and stuff he had a very mild cough and like sleepiness the fatigue hit him really hard but that was it are you froze on my <laughs> Lots of appetite, you know, yeah. the whole nine yards. And he, he definitely um, probably did better than me. Like, I feel like we um, we kind of did pretty good because, you know, we, we still have to raise our kids. There's no way around that, right? But he's been like, we've been doing it in shifts. So, like, one of us gets to sleep in, the other one gets up, gets with the kids for a couple hours, and then, you know, we flip it. Um, um, my, my oldest son has actually been really helping out with the youngest, and so we've been able to nap through the day. Um, so Jared is like, I don't know, I'm so jealous of him. Like, Jared's always one of those people, though, like, he very rarely gets sick. When he does, it's really usually mild. And when, it's, when it has been, like, a serious illness, like, that's very few and far between. Like, I envy his immune system, my God, I really do. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a good offset for, for yours. So yeah. that's that's good. Um, now I know you were worried with it because obviously we hear COVID, we hear underlying conditions. Then obviously there's you know size. Um, so I think you like me it was just like if I get it, it's I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Like I have been quarantined like crazy. I know you have because it's just the way it's presented. It's literally like if you get it and you have any of those things you're done right thankfully has not been what has happened with you yeah um i gotta admit like in my mind i just didn't think i had it just because of that you know we see all the stories on the news my sister and my brother and my mom had it last year in the summer um and my mom had a really rough go of it and she's smaller than i am um but she also has underlying health issues and so Watching her is what really scared me. Um, but I also have to take into consideration she's elderly, right? 
Um, but I also, you know, know people who have had it who are larger size like myself and they had a really tough time. They were in the hospital. They did have complications, but those people that um, shared their stories with me, they had underlying health issues already with their lungs and things like that. Um, so this whole narrative around if you're fat, obese, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, that you're going to have a harder time. I don't think that's true. Um, I think what it is, it's just like everything else, right? They tell us about being fat. When you're fat, you have excess weight, you're at a higher risk. Risk does not necessarily mean that you're going to have diabetes or you're going to have heart problems. It means your, your risks are increased. That's a reality. However, the same thing with COVID, I think there's risks for things worse, but it also really depends on your immune system, and that's what the infectious disease doctor told me last year with my mom. It's really about an individual's immune system and how you treat your body, because I think at this point, we've seen people of smaller size go down, you know what I mean, and have really severe complications, and some, unfortunately, have not lived, and that's not to say that other fat people haven't died because they have. I think what people really honestly need to focus on is how you're taking care of your body. I am convinced, and my husband said this to me last year, that he, he was just like, the rate this is going, I think everybody's going to get it no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And I think he's right in that sense, as we've seen COVID has mutated, there's different strains now, and it's making transmission easier, right? They're telling people to double mask up. So my thought process is this. Don't wait till you get COVID to start doing all of the things that you need to do for your body. Yeah. Boost your immune system now. I think one of the things that really played in my favor and my husband's, quite honestly, besides the grace of God, is the fact that we've been trying to take care of our bodies for some time now. Um, we've changed how we eat. It's not to say we're perfect at it because nobody's perfect at it, but we've definitely changed how we've eaten, we exercise. Um, so the focus is a lot less about weight loss, although I am on a weight loss journey. It has really been to deal with how my body feels. I have thyroid disease, and so that affects me in so many ways, and I had to learn how to take care of my body for that. So the interesting thing is when we left um, urgent care, they gave us this you know, treatment plan. It's like, look, go home, do what you've been doing. <laughs> take vitamin C, take zinc, take vitamin D. And I was already getting those supplements because I was already taking these things, selenium, to support thyroid health. So I was already on multivitamins like this daily anyway. Um, and, you know, drink lots of water. I'm already a gallon a day drinker of water. So, you know, that wasn't something that I had to force on myself. Um, my husband, he drinks a ton of water. He has, he actually has diabetes and he's been working on his health. Um, in his case of diabetes is very mild, like it's almost like pre-diabetic um, because, you know, he's been working on his health, exercising and things like that. So if I could give anybody, whether you are fat or small, get the kinks in your armor out now, like because your body is going to have to go to war if you contract it. And that's the bottom line. So you want to make sure you have done everything that you can to boost your immune system before it happens. Um, yeah. I Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I think that that is something that we all struggle with. Um, people just look and assume health based on size. Yeah. They assume if you're a larger body, you're unhealthy. If you're a smaller body, you're healthy. And as you just said, we've seen COVID 
you know, move fluidly through like you and Jared who have been taking care of your health. Um, and unfortunately we've seen it literally stop um, and cost the passing of people who are much smaller because size isn't indicative of your health. There are some people who are smaller who treat their bodies horribly. And there are people who are bigger who treat it well. Now that's not to say that there were unha unhealthy habits that led to them getting bigger, but looking at them, you can't say looking at them now, what their habits are, what they're doing, what they're implementing in their life. And it's really, like you said, just about being healthy. So, you know, naturally because of that assumption that if someone's bigger, then they're unhealthy, then it automatically becomes, if they get COVID, they're done. But if bigger and, you know, treating their body well and being healthy. And, you know, we both talked about this. We're both on weight loss journeys this year, um, but neither of us are on a weight loss journey. Like I'm on a move journey and I would like my face back. Um, those are my two main things. Um, but I just want to move better, feel better, move better. You know, like, yes, the weight is going to naturally come off by doing the changes that I need to feel better. But my focus is not on the number on the scale, the size of the pants. My focus is on doing what makes my body feel good and makes it function best. Um, and all of that comes from wellness. Um, so incorporating that in your life on the general, like you said, it's, you know, when you get COVID, it's like your body's going to war and you want to make sure that your shoulders are ready to ante up, you know, so you got to make sure that they're filled with everything they need along the way. Um, you know, something that I was thinking about is when you said you just want to move. When I started exercising, it had nothing to do with weight loss. Um, it had everything to do with the fact that I was struggling with my mobility because of my hips. And I started with just chair routine, right? Before I got my bike, I started with the chair routine. And I would do like a 25-minute routine sitting in my chair using... Um, resistance bands and you know doing the things to get my body moving and then I when I was able to I had started getting on the bike and I will say this whenever I get on a bike in my mind I'm not thinking oh my god I gotta lose this weight even though I know that I have to in order to get my hip replacement things that I think about are like I feel strong I feel good I'm moving yeah. like, it's a privilege and it really is people really don't understand what a gift mobility is until it's impacted in some way. Um, I, just I have to say, um, you being so honest about that had an impact on me, just, um, just as far as mobility, because you think about it and you know that you have it and you're blessed to have it, but you don't really think about it being just like taken away. And even though like you aside, you feel it being taken away in like other ways, you still have, I guess, a level of procrastination that when you're ready to get it together, you'll get it together and things will be fine. But maybe by the time you're ready, your body has other plans. And then you will have literally wasted the years that you were blessed to have mobility with not being mobile. And now you have no choice but to be immobile thinking, you know, what I could have, should have, would have. And, you know, us having those conversations made me definitely like, I'm not trying to waste these good years, you know, because um, it's not promised. Also, just plain facts, being larger, you're putting more stress on your body all the time, your organs, your bones. So your body is literally deteriorating faster than someone who's smaller. Um, so you have to make sure that you, you know, want to live now because 
you're causing your time to slow down or speed up, which is interesting because when you start to do the things that you should do, you're now extending that time. Um, it's so funny because the one thing I'm super grateful for is that when I did have my mobility, I did use it. Um, I, and that was almost like, because I had to because I lived in Philly and, you know, trains didn't really yeah. drive too often. I got my license when I was 24. Y'all don't judge me. <laughs> I was 24 when I got my license. Yeah. 24. Okay. I mean, it was, it was just not a big deal. Like I always caught the train everywhere. I caught the bus everywhere, the train, mostly the L, you know, subway, whatever. So I walk everywhere. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't even, and that was with my daughter. So even when I had my son, I was still on the bus and on the train, Jared had a car. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I would, you know, tell him to take, take him to, babysitter I'll you know I'll catch the train to work or whatever I caught the train to work even with him having a car I didn't have a problem with that um walking was freedom for me walking has always been a way for me to kind of relieve my stress and do things like that so getting a, a license to car wasn't a pressing matter for me now moving down here you know you obviously need a car more because it's the south and when I say you everything is 30 minutes away everything is 30 minutes away yeah. Gone was the, there's a poppy store and a Chinese restaurant at every corner. No, like you'll be lucky if you can find a, a, I don't think I've seen a corner store where I live anywhere. There is a package store up the street. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm thinking in my old neighborhood. <laughs> Around here, so if, if you come out of the neighborhood, which is some hills and some stuff, like you can go all the way down the street. There is a gas station and then, you know, plaza with like grocery stores. Yeah, it's just it's nothing close like There's this. nothing close by. In Philly, you know, everything was like right there. So walking was just a part of my everyday life. Even with me having a car, we I'd get up and, you know, I used to be a smoker. I would get up and walk to the corner store instead of taking the car. Mm -hmm. Just get a pack of cigarettes because like, you know, I can walk it. So I think that was what was the most frustrating about the limited mobility is once I started to realize even thinking about when I first moved down here and I was a PTA mom and like my daughter was like had all these different assignments and stuff so I was like baking cupcakes and bringing them up to her school I was thinking I remember walking into her school like it was nothing and carrying yeah. cupcakes and carrying the pizza and going back and forth to the car getting soda and it was nothing and I'm in my mind sometimes it hurts so bad because I'm like that was just yesterday even though it wasn't it was 2014 it was 2015 it was like it feels like it was just yesterday and not having that anymore really just put me in a depression that I never thought I was going to get out of and even now even though I don't have my mobility the way that I used to because my gait is off now and I have a limp and all that stuff I am still very grateful like having the rollator has been the best addition to my life like because now I move around like I sometimes will play around and jog I know that sounds like the weirdest thing but I do like just to be able to feel a sense of normalcy um so when we when you said you made a really good point when you were talking about when you have excess weight you're putting a strand in your body you are and I think that's something that is very taboo to say in the plus community right now um but the reality is Your body can tell you what too much for you. So what is too much for somebody may yeah. not be the same on somebody else. I know somebody right now who weighs the exact same amount as me and they're shorter than me. It looks different yeah. and their body feels different than 
mine does for me. Mm-hmm. When there are people who are out here like trying to get the weight off and they're like 350. At 350, I'm even thinking about nobody's weight loss. I look good. <laughs> I mean, I still look good, but I look good. And yeah. I felt fine. Like my knees weren't hurting. My hip wasn't hurting. My back wasn't hurting. It wasn't until I hit the 400s when that occurred. So I'm not here to tell anybody, you know, like you're, uh, you know, you're putting stress on your body because I don't know that for sure. Only your body can tell you that, but I know what's too much for my body. So even I didn't understand necessarily how weight even affected your organs. And so very recently, like within the last few years, just learning. um, So I have issues with my bladder and it has nothing to do with weight. But one of the first things the doctor did tell me was like, did you have these problems before weight gain? And I, you know, I told him yes. And he said, okay. That's why, you know, he pulled my history. He was able to see that. But he also told me what people don't know is when you are larger, you are more prone to UTIs because of the way your weight is on your bladder. You're not necessarily able to weight it as much as you need to, which can lead to you having a UTI. So weight can affect us in so many different ways. So I never want anybody to feel like when we're discussing these, having these conversations, we're only speaking from our own personal experience. You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you what to do with your body. And it doesn't mean we're anti-fat or we're, you know, any of those things because I'm quite the opposite. Well, I think we try to really establish that, that we're, we're pro you. We're pro you doing what you want to do, what feels good for you. And it, it, it really is all about your perspective and what you think about yourself. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like my main goal is my, um, you know, being more mobile because, you know, as you mentioned, you would see things and remember like how you used to be mobile and now you can't. And we would talk about it and I'd be like, oh, I feel the same way. I'm like, but I don't have anything medically wrong with me. I just, you know, I mean, I do like my back and stuff um, now, but, um, and that was, part of the weight gain is when my when I'm going through with my back, but there's still other things that I can do. So just realizing like, I don't want to be in the spot where I can't, um, you know, when I could have fixed it. And then my other thing is I said, I want my face back, which you made a little bit of a face because we have that conversation, but you know, it's all about what feels good for you. And so like, for me, when I say like, oh, I want my face back, it's not like, I think I'm hideous. It's not like, I think I'm so ugly. It's not like, I think double chins or extra face fat is bad it's just that like for me I know when I'm happiest looking at myself so it's not that I'm holding myself to the standard of anyone else it's like me knowing the shape of my face and knowing that when it gets to the point where it's so fat I look like I have a round face and that's not actually the shape of my face it's very upsetting for me it makes me feel a little traumatized um it shouldn't take that long for me to kick my butt into gear but it does because there's something about is my face round? Is my face considered round? Yeah, you have kind of like an oval face. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always been like. Yeah, like you. Well, you can still see your your chin thing. I feel like right now you can't. Like, there's so much chin you can't. For me, anyways, when I look at my face. So for me, for happiness, for me, regardless of what anyone else says, and they can say you're beautiful, and I'll say yes, thank you, I am. But I know when I look in the mirror and go, hey, and when I look in the mirror and go, who are you? And there's been a lot of, who are you? So I do what I need to do to get back to where I am like, oh, hey girl, hey. And I don't think it's not that I don't love myself. I love myself now. I think I'm beautiful now. I just know 
where I'm happier, you know? And I can say like, I love myself now, even my full body, or at least I'm trying to love all of it. Um, <laughs> but also say that I love my body more when I can go on long walks without being winded and, you know, walk and talk and do the things that I want to do without thinking like, oh, if I didn't have all this extra weight, what would I do, you know? So I'm really like a bouncy person. Like I want to be all over the place and do all the things. Um, and sometimes my body slows me down for that. So for me, that's my motivation. But your motivation can be whatever you want it to be. And you cannot have motivation. It is okay to say that you are perfectly fine and happy and content. And it is okay if everyone around you disagrees, honestly. Because everyone's opinion about you is just that opinion. You have to live your life. You have to live with the consequences of your choice. No matter what anyone thinks, no matter what anyone feels, Yes, your choices may impact their lives as well. So remember that, but it's still a consequence that you have to bear. Um, it's, it's on you. So if you wanna say, hey, I love me, you know, love it or leave it, you can say that too. You don't have to be what someone else wants you to be. But I do think it's important to take the time to figure out what you want to be and what makes you happy. Not what makes everyone else around you happy, what makes you happy and then go from there crazy because I had like so I, I have shared on my page like I gained weight right during COVID I put weight on lost it put some more on lost it I think we um, all have like the oh, like, like it put some more on so out of nowhere like I got on a scale a couple weeks ago and my weight had crept back up and so it's a sneaking suspicion was it might because out of the blue like my ankles and feet slow up crazy which hasn't happened in years. wait i missed that last part because it froze a little oh i said um we thought it might be a little bit inflammation because i swell up out of nowhere right mm. and i don't know if why i did that but at any rate the thing is i managed to lose 29 pounds in a week with covid wow and um i was not expecting that um and now i'm a part of a covid research study <laughs> really yeah, <laughs> because they have they have questions. They're like, okay, Wait, uh, yeah. people didn't experience rapid weight loss unless they were intubated or were in the hospital, and that's not what happened. But um, my guess is, when I lost my sense of taste and smell, there was like a disconnect with my appetite as well. Oh yeah. So it was just like I'm not really hungry, and even so, what happened is my husband was forcing me to eat smoothies. You guys, he's abusive. Take him. No, he was forcing me <laughs> to eat smoothies, right? Yeah. And um so i was doing that like once or twice a day um today i had like my first real meal and i said to my husband i'm like you know i've gotten my weight down not intentionally but it, it came down um to the point where i'm kind of like right back where i was and i was at my lowest last year before i gained all my COVID weight i'm like i literally only have to lose 40 pounds in order to have my surgery now yeah i stick doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, right? And I said, what COVID has taught me is that I have a lot more work to do with, with food emotionally than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. um, because I realized initially the disconnect there, I was upset that I could not taste and enjoy my food. And in my mind, I was so mad about it, but then I'm like, but you're still getting the nutrition you need, right? You're still eating, you're still alive, you're still walking. like." And then I realized, like, there were some moments where I was stressed. 
and the first thing I wanted to do was eat something. Yeah. And it was like, but there's no point because if you snack right now, it's not going to feel good because you can't taste it. And then I was like, I'm onto something here. <laughs> like, I need to really pick this up. Well, away. I realized that when I intermittent fast because I, first of all, I don't know why I don't do it all the time because when I do do it, I love it. Like, I, I don't love the action of it, but I feel like I actively, my body feels better when I intermittent fast. If I only eat between like noon and seven or like noon and seven, and I think it's because my body, because your, your digestive system is something in your body that's working and moving. So the more time you're eating, the more that system of your body is working and moving and not resting. So if you're eating really late and then eating early again, like you're not really giving your digestive system ever a chance to really rest. Um, I'm not a doctor, by the way. These are just things that I read and the way that I feel. I would like to, I would like to preference that. Um, but so, you know, for me, for my body and it, everybody body works differently. Um, my, I actually noticed that my body feels better when I intermittent fast, but oh, the mental side of it. So in the mornings, yes, I do get, I do get hungry. That's when I feel it more physically yeah. in the mornings. I physically, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. I want to eat. But nighttime, it's all mental. I I will realize like the first few days, it's physical, like, oh, I want to eat. But the rest of the time, it's purely just like the mental of I want to eat something and I can't. And it's not even like, I'll ask myself, like, am I hungry? No, but I just want to. And it's interesting how much of it really is mental and how much of it is like, I want to eat now because it's the time to eat or because I'm upset or blah, 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 versus how much of it is that I really want to eat and then on the mental side of it um something i talk about with my therapist is like there's almost not that it fills a a void but it does give you like a boost of happiness for sometimes like when you're eating and you're down um and sometimes it just like like when you intermittent fast or at least for me right so I'm normally like eating between those hours and also eating like really well, really healthy. And as I mentioned, physically, my body feels good. Like it's functioning better, but it just constantly feels like there's like something missing. Like I never feel fulfilled. And you realize it's because you're not eating to be filled ever during that, during that point. Like you do when you're not, you know, like when I'm not thinking about it, I eat till I'm full and then I stop which usually by the time you think you're full, you go over. So then you have like that, oh, I feel uncomfortable because I ate too much. But when you're used to that being your cycle of eating and then you start stopping before you even feel full, you just constantly have like, hmm, something's missing. It's so interesting you said that. So this morning, um, I, like I said, it was like my first real meal since I'd gotten sick. And because I could feel my taste was kind of coming back because when I brushed my teeth this morning, I could actually taste the toothpaste. And I was like, okay, you're getting somewhere. So I told my husband, like, I would like real breakfast, like not a smoothie. Not going to have anything against smoothie, but we actually broke the smoothie this week. So I had to order a new, I made the blender, so I don't have a blender. It'll be here on the 30th. Yeah. But um, I was like, all right, let me just have a real meal. So I'm like, what do we have here? So I had one egg, one scrambled egg, no cheese, because let me tell you something, just sidebar. Dairy causes inflammation. As much as I love cheese, I really, really love cheese. Um, but the thing that scared me the most is it will create mucus in the body. And that's a whole other conversation. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm here with COVID. 
eating the cheese. Like, I don't want to do anything that's going to make it worse. Well, Cut they the tell cheese. you when you're sick, like, that's the first thing they say is cut out dairy. Technically, we shouldn't be eating dairy at all, to be Girl, honest. Girl, yes. like, I know, I know. Dairy I'm... from another animal, like, no one else does it. That's why people are lactose intolerant, because our body literally should not be having dairy products from other other animals, but much okay but um <laughs> but, I, ate, I ate a scrambled egg and one waffle like one little ego waffle and um two strips of turkey bacon so i'm eating and you know i'm eating and i'm trying to taste so i'm like i realize like i can't taste this 100 percent but i can definitely taste the bacon however as i'm eating i finish my plate and i threw it in the trash i drank my water and went on about my business and then something happened in my head, and I'm like, you ate one waffle, two pieces of bacon, and one egg, and you're good? And I was like, what is happening here? Because I'll be honest, like, my biggest thing is portion control. Mm. And I think it's always been that for many reasons. I don't think people understand the socioeconomic impact of food decisions. So I grew up in a family. We were not very rich. My parents were poor let's just say we're house poor right and they had four children so we weren't always able to eat as much as we wanted to maybe even if we were hungry because it just wasn't enough you know what I mean sometimes so I think in my mind like as I became a person who came into my own money and things like that and I was able to start eating out and doing things that I wanted to I think I kind of like overindulged in that there's, there's so many things I'm exploring about yeah, why yeah no, but I, I know exactly what you mean yeah but I realized today that I was completely content. My stomach was not growling. I was not hungry. I was content. And I'm like, I'm onto something here. And I want to hold on to this. Like, I want this to continue to be a thing. So even, like, I, I was a bad girl. I did not eat um, lunch because technically I got up at, like, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was, like, practice lunch. But for dinner, I had um, half of a bag of salad left from yesterday that I had tried to eat. So I ate that. And I was good. Like, for whatever reason, I was good. I had some chips as a snack, and I was good. And I didn't have anything else, and I just continued to drink the water. So now I'm trying to track myself and how I'm responding to food emotionally. Like, I'm yeah. trying to see the positive sides of the things that have come out of COVID. And of me learning, like, my mental issues with food, emotional food, eating and things like that is one of the things. I'll count that as a blessing. Um, and that's huge for for me like i know whenever like people talk about because the minute you're big people are like oh have you thought about surgery oh no yes of course i've thought about it um but for me a large part of it is just knowing that so much of my struggle is mental you know um if i felt like i could consist like i can consistently do what i need to do and the weight still wasn't coming off like absolutely i would look into it but i know that that's not my struggle my struggle is consistency um, and it's all, it's mostly mental. And so for me, it's battling that. There's a no lot of people who get talking about that there. It is gain it back. Yeah, it's mental and they gain it back for that reason. But that's why you're supposed to go through a psych evaluation, but a lot of people cheat the system. And, and but then you end up hurting yourself by doing yep. that. Um, but if I don't feel like I'm mentally confident by the time my weight is even where it's supposed to be to have surgery, I will not do it. I've turned down surgery two other times because I was not ready and I knew that I wasn't. And I don't want to do something so drastic and then hurt myself in the long run. 
I really have to take ownership of my feelings and my emotions and how I deal with them. Um, and that's why I was so mad at myself with COVID, not me actually getting it, but like when the pandemic started, because I allowed my anxiety to overwhelm me. I allowed my depression to get in the way. And I started munching. It wasn't that I stopped eating healthy because I didn't. Mm-hmm. I started munching. Then when my bite broke for the two to three months I didn't have it, like I was distraught. And then it was just like, I'm done. I can't do anything. And then I was just like munching and snacking. I'm the type of person, unfortunately, because of having thyroid disease, my metabolism is like non-existent. And I really have to do the most to get it to optimally run, right? So if I don't exercise, mm-hmm. if I don't eat right, yeah, ain't gonna take no time. You know how people say, well, you didn't put the weight on overnight, so you're not gonna, no, no, no. No, trust me, I won't put it on overnight. I've, yeah. I've seen it happen. Oh, yeah. So I know for yeah. myself, yeah. Like, I have to be that person who, unfortunately, like, not only do I have to watch what I eat, I still have to move. It has to be a combination of things. Like, I have to do both in order for my body to run optimally. So, I'm not altogether convinced that I'm going to have weight loss surgery at the end of this. I've been thinking about that a lot. Because here's my thought on this right now. They want me to get down to 400 pounds in order to have surgery. I'm like, if I can get to 400 pounds, right? That would put me at a BMI where they would, I would be closer to being able to get hip surgery. Really, I only have to be in the 300s in order to get hip surgery. So if I can get myself down enough. And you're already in that cycle of losing. Right. Right. Do I really need to have the surgery? Because the idea was for me to have the surgery so I can get the weight off quicker. But at this point, it's been a year now. And it's been a a process and a journey. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually going to get through with it. Like, I don't know. And that's where I'm at with it right now. But I think Um, it's okay that you still, like, you're keeping your mind open. You're still, you know, I think that that's better than bulldozing and being like, I'm doing it no matter what I'm doing it. You know, I think that you're still listening to your body, listening to your, you know, your thoughts and figuring things out around you. I think that's the best way to approach it. So I think the thing that I focused on the most and I'm really really so grateful for the nutritionist that I had and even the endocrinologist that I had me and her had a conversation the other day um, because I had concerns about being insulin resistant because of thyroid disease and so you know we've been tracking my blood sugar and sometimes it's elevated sometimes it's not um and my a1c though is always perfectly normal so they can't technically diagnose me with diabetes. So they can't technically prescribe me diabetic medication for a diagnosis that I don't have. No. Um, but she and I were talking, we were talking about options and we discussed this medication that can be used to help you lower your blood sugar, but also help you lose weight. And it's something that I am considering um, because I want to do things that are optimal for my health. I don't think there's anything wrong with people who have diabetes, obviously, but I just don't want to add another issue my health this thyroid thing has really thrown me for a loop and i'm trying to care for my body the best way i know how and throughout this process throughout the conversation with her she was just for me doing what was healthiest for my body and i appreciate that because we're now having conversations with my healthcare team i'm glad i have the healthcare team that now where the focus is make sure you're just doing things to help make sure your cholesterol is low because I didn't know that high cholesterol can come with thyroid disease. There was no conversation about that. Why? Because they always say high cholesterol comes from what? 
Being fat. Like, you know, things like that. Not right. if you are missing this organ out of your body, it's going right. to increase certain risks. Now, thankfully, I don't have high cholesterol, but I still want to do what I can to manage it the best way that I can. So I'm appreciative that the physicians that I have now, we're talking more about health and less about weight. Yeah. And that means the world to me. And I think that is also what's kind of like changing my mind about maybe not doing weight loss surgery. I don't know still, but I really think if more healthcare providers talked about health, yeah. not saying being fat is it's gonna kill you, like instead talk about hereditary genetics, knowing your body, um, vitamin deficiencies. A lot of people are vitamin deficient and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And you won't know it unless you ask your doctor run a test for you. So I think something that you mentioned that is really important is you said your healthcare team. And a lot of people don't think about that. They think I get a primary and that's it. Like I have a primary and that's it. When really, um, especially if you have other conditions and health things, but just in general, um, you should think of it more as like a team where you go to a specialist. Like, yes, you can see your primary, but maybe you need a dermatologist if you're having a certain skin thing and maybe you need an endocrinologist if you're having certain things because your primary can only do so much and they only see so much so you may present again i'm not a doctor but you may present them like a ton of symptoms that's almost like presenting it to google they it could be so many things from a vast variety of things but if you present it to like a specialist if you have a good primary they're going to know their limitations and then they're going to say, this isn't even my issue. Like, I won't even lie. Like, my primary, she's great. I came in and told her A, B, and C. She's like, I need to send you to rheumatology because this is yeah. out of the scope of what I do. And yeah. I appreciate that because you have some primaries who just be like, lose weight, right? You know, and then that'll be it. If you have a good primary, they're going to send you to who you need to see because they're going to know, like, this is out of my scope. <laughs> like, yep. Heart health, nope, that's not me. Go to cardiology. Oh, lung health, nope, that's not me. Go to pulmonary. Like, if people actually saw the specialists that they need to see, like your doctor is not a weight loss doctor unless they have actually gone to school for your weight, like things about nutrition and things like that. If you've got a good doctor, they're gonna tell you to be a nutritionist. And if you have a good nutritionist, they're going to help you create eating habits built around your healthcare needs, not, well, eat this much protein over here, eat this much, and then this much starch. That's not how it works. And I was very grateful that I ended up getting a nutritionist who was way more about learning about me, my body, my conditions, and things like that to to develop eating habits for me that were better for my health. I know, though, that accessibility to good health care is a privilege. Yes. I would say right now insurance is a scam. I sometimes don't even know what I'm paying for after deductibles and all that stuff. But I also know everybody doesn't have that luxury and so when we talk about health when we talk about weight when we talk about all those things i want people to keep in mind the privilege that is tied to those things like yeah. and that and that's the reality and i mean you just tell people you can just do it you can just, i'm like yo you're forgetting people's how they've grown up the things that they have know like you're having to undo a whole mindset that it is sometimes tied to your finances. Like, yeah. not as easy as people like to make it out to be. I really am over like those motivational speakers. Like, you can do it. All you can do is drink water, go jogging, and you'll be fine. Eat your vegetables, and it's going to be great. I'm going to look here. I lost <laughs> you 
stuff and like honestly don't even you know what we'll get on that soapbox for the next one because that is definitely one that you know drives me crazy too because everyone's coming to it from a different place a different situation even slim people have an issue with consistency that's why I don't want to hear them talk because it's like that same person who has not been able to get off 10 pounds for the last 20 years wants to talk to you about why you can't stay consistent excuse me ma'am you can't either because we're both human that's why don't expect me to magically be better just because I'm bigger than you are because you're smaller right and don't work that way all sorts of things like hormones having children getting older just aging I will not lie turning 30 it was like my body was like all right man, 20s is over okay we're then here yeah, so we have a whole conversation about so next so next week because we don't want to keep you guys yeah too long because we can talk forever but I think next week we should definitely have a conversation just about getting older um, I recently had one with my sister a little bit, and it was a good talk. Like some of the things that I've learned, um, I wish I had known. It was with my older sister. She's about to turn 50. So we had a quarter of a century. She's excited. She's one of those people who like embraces getting older, loves it. Um, so it was fun. So I've loved getting older. Like we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll table it. We'll otherwise this will be two hours. But thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, again, we post new episodes live every Sunday night at eight o'clock. Um, more than my size on YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram, more than my size underscore TV. Follow us there because we post. No, it's more than my size underscore the show. The show. Oh, oh yes, and it will be down here in the bottom of the screen. You guys will see it. Yes. Um, and of course, you can catch us both individually on our Instagram pages. I'm at Aprilized Blog. She's at That African Butterfly. Um, and we're also going to drop the spill of questions. So make sure you guys are following the Instagram page. You can give us your thoughts. And if you have the opportunity, join us for live chats on Sunday at 8 o'clock p.m. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>